This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Life Beats podcast. Life Beats, Life Beats. with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. Brought to you by Albate Resort, a renovation of style in the heart of Sharjah. Assalamu alaikum, hello Allah, and welcome to Life Beats with me, Sally Musa. Can premarital counseling save you from divorce? Our monthly Relationships Masterclass continues with Dr. Sheet Alkini of Lighthouse Arabia as we talk what you need to get sorted before the wedding to pave the way for a smoother union that is hopefully going to last long beyond the big day. Plus, we're going to be asking Dr. Sheetal about the red flags that wedding photographers identified as major indicators of whether a marriage is going to last or not. And yes, cake has a lot to do with it. That's all next on Life Beats on Pulse 95. This is Pulse 95. Keeping it local. Keeping it local. All day, every day. Pulse 95. Heart of Shasha. Life Beats. Life Beats. With Sally Musa. Only on Pulse 95. 95. Welcome back to Life Beats here on Pulse 95. Now, everybody needs to get training and education before getting their driver's license. And yet... When people look at getting a marriage license, relatively few of them receive education about how to establish a successful marriage. Now, experts say that people who are planning to marry need to go in with some kind of education. Psychologists trained in couples therapy who have been studying marital distress and divorce prevention are strong advocates of premarital counseling. One of those experts is none other than Dr. Sheetal Keeney, clinical psychologist at Lighthouse Arabia. Welcome back. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure as always. Always uh, good to have you. Now, last time you were on the show, we Mm -hmm. of course talked about how to find the one. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Talking about soulmates and that was such an insightful conversation. If you didn't hear it, you have to go back to our SoundCloud or Apple Podcasts uh, podcasts, and make sure you take a listen to that. I just thought it was like, wow, there were so many aha moments <laughs> of, you know, that, that I wish I'd known, you know, that. I'm, I'm happy now, but you know, <laughs> everybody needs to think about those things. It doesn't hurt. The extra information doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt. And if you're still looking for that partner, go back and listen to that. But, you know, today, if you found that person that you mm-hmm. think, this is the person that I want to spend the rest of my life with. Right. A lot of experts, including yourself, say premarital counseling is a very good step to take to make sure that the marriage lasts absolutely why why is that so let's talk about first you know what is premarital counseling because when we talk about counseling we think oh there's something wrong in the relationship Mm -hmm. um you go to a counselor or a psychologist to fix it Mm -hmm. but here nothing has happened yet Mm -hmm. exactly so, so what does it mean So essentially, you know, you're right. Um, The stats are kind of troubling to hear that people typically wait, in fact, six years of having distress on average. That's a statistic from the U.S., by the way. People wait six years of distress 
to actually go and do something about it. Six years. Yeah, not six years of marriage. Six years of distress wow. in the marriage. Wow. Um, and actually, that average might be even more in a place um, like the UAE or this part of the world where there's a little bit more stigma attached to counseling, which, you know, we are making a lot of strides towards, but we're still sort of struggling with that stigma mm-hmm. a bit. Um, but, you know, it's there all over the world. So the issue is that um, I think... Uh, marriage is is something that people probably sort of think you know this should come instinctually to you just kind of like parenting <laughs> <laughs> exactly where well, you think it's just gonna you know magically kind of drop out of the sky all of this knowledge and understanding about this new relationship this but but it doesn't right it doesn't and I think there are there's so much wisdom as well through the ages about you know people have been doing it without any knowledge without any training for years and years and years you know you don't need a class you don't need counseling you know that, that can tend to be the idea yeah um, however just because someone's been doing something for a long time um, doesn't mean that it, you know that there can't be improvements and there can't be more quality in fact back in the day the average lifespan wasn't more than I don't know 35 to 50 years old it's so true now we're talking about you we're know we're talking about the 60s here it's not even that far exactly. you know, that far uh, you know back in history as well people were we're only expecting to live till about 40. Exactly. Yeah. And, and now people are living full lives. Um, they're hoping to have longer marriages. And um, there's also a lot more equality between men and women. Um, things sort of that, that kept a marriage going. Mm-hmm. Um, those those sort of um, expectations and principles are not in place um, the way that they used to be. Because li- like... Our society is different today. Um, and so we're talking about a marriage of equals. We're talking about a marriage of um, both parties who have needs in the relationship um, who are wanting to keep a long marriage going. It's not just that, uh, Dr. Sheetal, but I think the assumption is if you're right for each other, it just all falls into place and it's all going to be happy, lovey-dovey. Absolutely. But that's not how it works. And we, you know, the, the two partners end up making assumptions Right. And then suddenly clashing somewhere down the line going, well, hold on a minute. I thought I thought we were on the same wavelength and I thought you thought what I thought. Exactly. And then eventually this yeah. idea that if you and I have problems that we can't solve either, it's that, you know, the kind of soulmate thing. You're not you know, you're not the one for me and never mind. I need to divorce you or I need to think about my other options or this, again, age old sort of thought process that that's how marriages are. Exactly. That's just how every marriage is. I mean, everyone's miserable, so what's new? Mm-mm-mm. Or, you know, you can resolve something. Let's just table it or let's just shove it under the rug and just keep going on. And then it just festers it and it festers. gets worse and worse. Oh, boy. So yeah, even, I mean, that. okay, so here's the thing. Even in the what seem like the strongest bonds and mm-hmm. relationships, mm-hmm. it's a good idea to get premarital counseling. Absolutely. I would say, in fact, some, I think some uh, uh people depending on like i think some religions as well like when people are about to get married they mandate it uh like certain churches i think mandate it that to is get so premarital counseling yeah even in jordan this was something that happened exactly a year ago they actually started offering free premarital counseling to people yes. who are about to get married which included lectures seminars you know and it's important to say 
you know, when we say premarital counseling, it's not like meeting with a family member who's going to bring the couple <laughs> together or like a quote unquote community leader or someone. Right. No, that's awkward. <laughs> Super, right? But this is meeting with somebody like yourself who's a trained professional. Exactly. Who has, you know, studied this for decades, who understands what a great marriage looks like, what a marriage that could, you know, be in trouble looks like. Right and bridges that kind of a gap is that is that how it works yes basically it's using all the principles that you would um look at when the marriage is in distress but almost looking at it preventatively and saying okay these are the the main components that you really want to take care of and um if you do then you know it'll be good for you later in life and prevention is always better than cure no Okay, so you've got three dimensions that mm-hmm. we are going to be looking at, which yes. are involved within premarital counseling. We're going to come to those in just a moment. Uh, Dr. Sheetalkini is with us from Lighthouse Arabia. If you've got questions for her, do send them in. Uh, 4215 is the text number, or you can do it. Of course, uh, reach out to us on uh, on social media at Pulse95 Radio Motorcom after this. You're listening to Pulse95. Keeping it local, all day, every day. Life Beats Beats. with Sally Musa, only on Pulse 95. Yes, we are back with Dr. Sheetal Kini. We are talking premarital counseling. It's probably something that uh, you wouldn't have considered when you're deciding to say I do to your life partner, but actually a lot of experts encourage it. Uh, and you're saying this is something definitely to do. It doesn't matter how strong you think your relationship is. Absolutely. Go and do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so y- you've got for us three dimensions, you say, Dr. Sheetal, that uh, need to be covered mm-hmm. uh, if you're doing premarital counseling properly. So let's go through those. So again, I'm sure there are different therapists who do different yeah. things. Yeah. Um, for me, because I, uh, I'm trained with the Gottman method and everything that I kind of teach and train is according to the research by Dr. Gottman, there are three main components that I would focus on. The first one, that there are three main systems to a um, relationship. The first one is the friendship system or kind of the romance love connection system. Okay. Um, the second one is the communication conflict management system. Mm-hmm. And the third one is the um, shared dreams, um, rituals, um, teamwork, uh, you know, sort of the family system, let's just say. Okay. All right. Let's if go that through makes these. Sense. Okay. Friendship, communication, and family management. Okay. Family value, um, like the, the joint team, the team system, because, um, and I'll, I'll talk about how they are different, of course. Um, and then we can even kind of touch upon certain issues that crop up, like money management or family or this or that and where they kind of fall in these three systems. I like it. Let's do it. Okay. Excellent. So let's start with the very first one, which is the friendship system or the love system. Um, this one actually is a really um, natural thing to think about, mm. which is you know, you're in love with this other person, you know, you've been with them for X amount of time and you've decided to take the plunge, you've decided to get married to each other. But now the question is, how are we going to keep this 
friendship alive? How are we going to keep this romance alive? How are we going to keep investing in connecting with each other every single day? Okay. Okay. So, um, obviously, uh, I think I talked about this a couple of time. I think a couple of sessions ago, where I talked about the two meetings a week. Yes. Yes. So just to like as a reminder that there must be two touch points at least um, in the week. One touch point should be uh, say in the middle of the week where you meet with your partner to uh, check in with them about how have we been with each other this week. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, were there any miscommunications? Were there any hurt feelings? Um, were there um, any issues that came up but we just didn't have the time to talk about it? Um, did I did I kind of snub you and not realize I was doing that? It's the state of the union. Exactly. That, I love that. That's what it's called. But yes, <laughs> the state of the union meeting. Really, yes. So just kind of, I see you. I hear you. I want to make sure that we're okay. Mm. Are we okay? You know, how often do we really do that with our partners? Yeah. To just kind of stop and say, look, you know, I don't want to take it for granted that you're okay with me and I'm okay with you. Yeah. Because a lot of times that's what happens. We do just take it for granted and we think everything's just moving along fine. Exactly. But there's stuff that's lingering underneath. Absolutely. But also at the same time, you, you can have moments where it's kind of like you ask, you know, is it okay? And they freak out. They're like, what, what's wrong? What are you, what, why are you asking me that? <laughs> exactly. And, you know, sometimes I've had a couple say, isn't it, you know, isn't it bad to keep asking? It's like, are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay? I said, yeah. I'm not asking you to say that every day. Right. But trust me, once a week is actually a really good sort of in-between uh, number. <laughs> or framing it differently to kind of say, well, how do you think things are going this week? Exactly. How exactly. are you feeling this week? And how, you know. How are we feeling this how week? How are we feeling this week? Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So um, to kind of take a temperature of the relationship once a week. Um, and this also leaves room really more than anything to air out any differences, to talk about issues that may have not been spoken about mm-hmm. so that you have the second touch point in the week, which is say on the weekend perhaps, which is solely meant for a, um, as I call it, a building activity, which is to build on the relationship, to build connectivity um, and closeness and intimacy. So that could be the date night. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a very simple um, principle to kind of introduce to a couple because they're very much for it. Yes. And at this point, they're thinking, all right, how do we, you know, can we commit to this? Mm-hmm. Um, but also, apart from the twice a week, um, there's also a question of how are we going to really um, focus on each other's um, positive qualities? Mm-hmm. How are we going to make it sort of a culture of appreciation and um, fondness and admiration? How are we going to make sure that we maintain the five to one ratio? of positive to negative feedback. So again, coming back to the principle that I had earlier mentioned, um, that it's, technically speaking, we must be, um, for every one time that we share negative feedback with our partner, we should be sharing five times that much, the the positive with them. Exactly, exactly. And that ratio is sometimes hard to maintain in the day-to-day. It is. It is. But, you know, keeping that focus, keeping that front of mind uh, can really change things, can't it? It is. Because also what I do is I kind of teach them what happens when this friendship system gets ignored. 
And this is the part which people take most for granted. How am I not going to let this slip? How, how do you not let it slip with kids? <laughs> with kids, with, you know, and, and that's because you don't realize how much life is going to get into your way yeah. after marriage. Absolutely. Until you get there and you're like, you're overwhelmed by work, you're overwhelmed by bills, you're overwhelmed by your boss or the kids or whatever. And it's just kind of like, no, I mean, you, you know, side of everything else. Absolutely. And for anyone who's listening, who is already married and thinking like, you know, what, you know, what am I doing? Um, I'm a couples therapist, right? I, I know this, that I should be doing it myself. But still, obviously, you get busy. And just the other day, you know, um, because I talk about investing in this, this, the third angle, which is to um, of the friendship system is to continue getting to know your partner. Mm-hmm. Keep asking open ended questions about um, what's going on on their mind. What are their future dreams and aspirations? What are their um, concerns right now versus before? Um, is there something that they want to try that's new? I mean, literally, I have a list of a hundred questions that I give to couples which are open-ended questions um, that can be asked during a date night that can be asked in you know in the evening because you do get to a point you get to a point where (laughs) the only thing you can think of talking about after you've had a couple of kids is the kids absolutely you get to date night there's nothing to talk about (laughs) and you go wait hold on a minute what did we used to talk about? Yeah. And, you know, there's there's a sense of like intrigue and wonder and just kind of this openness at the beginning because there is so much to find out. But how do you keep that intrigue alive 10 years down the line? And, you know, this is where, you know, you want to make sure wh- when you're doing the premarital counseling that they kind of have similar ideas on how to make that happen. Exactly. And how that's going to progress. And elicit those ideas from them. Because I'm, I'm here to guide, you know. I mean, yes, expert. Yes, of course, I'm, I'm sharing all of this information. But they obviously know what would work for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And some people would say, you know, you never asked me about this. Well, you never talked about... Well, if you had asked me, then I would have told you. Right, right, right. Exactly. And you just kind of go... <gasps> Oh, <laughs> wait a minute. This is why we need to have this. <laughs> we're we're going to come back in just a moment, talk about uh, communication, the communication conflict, the family value management uh, dimension, those two uh, coming up and so much more. I'm going to ask you about the Reddit uh, post, all yes. about the wedding photographers as well. Uh, I love this. For sure. I love this. But you were saying there's actually a lot of truth in it. This yeah. is amazing. That's coming up next on Life Beats on Pulse95. This is Pulse95. This is Pulse95. Life Beats Beats. with Sally Musa, only on Pulse 95. We are back with Dr. Sheetal talking why new couples need premarital counseling. And we've been talking about the three dimensions that get covered in in premarital counseling. Of course, we're talking about something that would be uh, done by a professional, uh, not not just anybody (laughs) that you go to. Um, But uh, so we've gone through the friendship, the love system, um, as you like to call it. Uh, The second one is communication. Let's talk about that. Yes. Now, when it comes to communication, I think I could talk for days. <laughs> it really but is the essential one, isn't it? It really is. Um, and so, you know, obviously, um, when we think about communication, 
you know, what comes to mind for you, Sally? Tell me. When we talk about communication, uh, it's just being very open with each other. If you're talking about a relationship, you know, um, making sure that you don't allow the other person to kind of um, just have to read your mind. You know, mm-hmm. you, you talk about what you want mm-hmm. rather yes. than just kind of holding back and thinking, well, he loves me. He should know. Yes. That's okay. What, that's what I think about. Absolutely. So bingo, that is one fundamental thing in communication that you will have to be your own advocate and you need to speak up for what you need in the relationship. Perfect. However, going about that um, and going about that when you have needs that are in direct opposition with your partner's needs, what do you do then? Uh, which we call a gridlocked issue. Um, versus when you are voicing needs that are not in conflict with the other person's needs, when it's just, you know, sort of something that is a give and take. Mm. Um, what do you do when you want to reach a compromise? Um, so there, there's so many sort of facets to it. Um, but the first thing is to, to identify um, what am I going to do when I am... Um, wanting something and I, I kind of keep reaching this the sense of um, like a block mm-hmm. you know what do I do when I am not able to get through to the other person mm-hmm. um, so a lot of times the first thing I'll tell a couple is let's identify which issues for the two of you are going to be these blocked gridlock kind of issues and which issues are solvable mm-hmm. okay because the way that you would work with a solvable issue is very different from the way you would work with a gridlocked issue and unfortunately statistics show that a couple um on average 69 percent of their issues are gridlocked whoa yeah Ow. majority majority are gridlocked that's a lot so yes and there's a reason behind that um because a gridlocked issue stems from you know whenever you want something and you're not getting it it creates this kind of visceral response inside of you because of the fact that it's hitting upon a value system for you so for example give us an example of what that could Perfect. be for people. so the example of a gridlock problem and this is uh, also a very common issue in, in marriage that we discuss in premarital forums is money mm-hmm. so we have a spender and we have a saver Okay, and some people will say, no, we're both kind of savers or we're both kind of spenders, but there's always going to be one person who is more of a spender and one person who is more of a saver. Okay, now what I mean by gridlock is the spender is never going to convince the saver to become a spender and the saver is not going to convince the other, right? And so what happens when you start to see the, the bickering and the arguments, the saver is going... To the spender, they're saying, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. I get so frustrated walking in a mall with you. You know, I just feel like you just drain all of our resources. Like you just, you just can't. I just feel like I need blinders for you, you know. You just spend all my money. All my money, exactly. Whereas the, you know, the spender is saying, wow, you know, you make me feel so claustrophobic and you just control me. Like you just, you just can't let me do what I want to do. You know, so just back off. You can so, hear all of those under, underlying issues, can't you? Yeah, but the thing is, though, that all you really end up talking about is how you're controlling and you're a drain. Mm. That's all that kind of keeps going back and forth, you know? We don't actually talk about what's underneath it. So really what's underneath it is the fact that 
there are critical value systems that are being hit upon that are not being discussed. So let's I'll, I'll paint a picture for you. So imagine we have Polly and Sam. I know, really random names, but... So say that um, Polly and Sam both came from very humble, modest backgrounds where, you know, they didn't have a lot um, economically growing up. Um, in Polly's family, um, she went through such a hard time that she decided that she would start saving and saving and saving. And for her, money meant security. Money mm-hmm. meant stability. It grounded her. It made her feel like you know what one day i'm gonna es- escape this and i'm not gonna feel the way i felt right yeah whereas sam he went to a school where everyone else had more than him and he always felt less than he always felt like he didn't have the opportunities that his friends did um you know he just kept telling himself one day i'm gonna make money i'm not gonna feel this this constraint I'm, you know, money for me is going to mean abundance. It's going to mean opportunity, independence. And so imagine money is not really money. It's what it represents for you. So for Polly, it meant security, stability. And so whenever Sam spends, it triggers a very fundamental value for her and scares her at the core. Right, right. Whereas whenever she stops Sam from spending, he feels like, again, it's hitting him where it hurts the most. He doesn't want to feel that scarcity anymore. He wants to feel that independence, that opportunity, the freedom. Mm -hmm. But no one's talking about stability and freedom here. We're talking about you're this and you're that. So is that something that you can overcome when you go to premarital counseling? Or is that like a red flag of... Maybe these two people shouldn't be together or... Yeah, it's not a red flag at all. It is actually... The thing with the gridlock problem is there is no solution. As in, there's no one solution. The spender is never going to convince the saver, right? Mm -hmm. They're never going to change. And you shouldn't be changing. Right. But the thing is that when you are fighting about money, what Polly is upset about is not because Sam's freedom is getting, um, you know hurt or whatever Polly's upset because Polly thinks Sam doesn't get it exactly yeah and Sam's upset because Sam thinks Polly doesn't get it and the fact that Polly's just hitting me where it hurts the most why can't Polly just understand yeah and why can't Sam just understand but do we try to make them understand no so with with the gridlock problem the solution is actually that you open it up for dialogue you understand that the other person is actually aching just the way we are aching and it's not personal. It's just we are here and the problem is on the other side. So we love each other, but we have these kind of sore points and we're not trying to upset the other person. So when you start viewing the issue in that way, you're sort of working collaboratively to say, OK, so, you know, how can we protect our pain and our values and not hurt each other? Because clearly I don't want to hurt you. Right. Yes. So in that case, I say if there's such an issue, for instance, um, you come up with a um, joint sort of a, um, a, a, a compromise in such a case, for instance, would look like this. So again, coming to the next bit, which is a compromising people compromise in the wrong way all the time. When you compromise people, people typically think I'll give this one up and stay resentful about it later. <laughs> and then you give up the next thing. You know, you just kind of pick your battles, so to speak. Yes. You've heard that a lot. However, actually what you're supposed to do in a compromise is for every issue. So for instance, with the money, you notice what is it that you are willing to be negotiable about? What is it that is a non-negotiable for you? And you keep the non-negotiable as small as possible and your negotiable area of flexibility is as big as possible. 
Okay. And then you both kind of present it and say, I'm willing to give on this. This is the part that I'm inflexible on. And similarly, the other person does the same. And in a situation like this, what that would look like is, for instance, we'll have a joint account to put towards savings together so that in retirement, when neither one of us has jobs, we're not thinking who saved more and why should I spend for you and blah 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 yeah we have that joint but then we have a percentage for ourselves as well so that i don't comment on your spending and you don't comment on mine that it's separate you do what you need to do with it and that's it but it's also together it's separate but together okay yeah exactly but then again whenever there's a gridlocked issue and you come up with one potential solution like the one i just stated mm. it's actually open to revising every so often so you say to each other let's try this out for three months let's meet again and let's see how it's working out for both of us that is so this important. is how a compromise should be that it's is not so set important. in stone done no people because you know we kind of think um you know this person that i'm marrying they're always going to be like this or they're always going to think like this yes life changes you change you start to think about things differently you being married to this person is going to change you yes so the, i love that i love that you kind of need to kind of go okay let's come back and revisit this yeah. see how it's working out see how we feel about it you know maybe our ideas about this particular issue have changed absolutely maybe we, we feel a little bit more flexible let's put it in our calendars yeah but let's make sure we come back to it i love it i love it so interesting family value management yes so um this bit is actually about um defining the the couple as a unit as a family now that doesn't mean kids yeah it doesn't mean kids it doesn't necessarily mean kids okay so what i mean by that is the fact that you and i are you know you're you and i'm me mm -hmm. now we're going to become an us so a lot of times people think what's the difference in you know getting married versus dating or you know you're just in a relationship um technically speaking people have certain expectations certain mindset of what will marriage look like for me you know they are extremely fine with certain things when they're in a relationship when you're my boyfriend or my girlfriend that's okay mm -hmm. The second you're my husband or wife, suddenly my expectations are different. Why? Because sometimes we do have these perceptions of when we are a team and a unit in that way, things change. So you want to talk about, so it's kind of, it's, it's again open-ended to ask the couple, what are your um, value systems about, what are your expectations about the kind of a husband or wife that you want to be? Mm -hmm. um, what are your ideas about autonomy versus interdependence in a marriage? What does that mean? What, what does, does that, that mean, mean to where, you? Where are we separate? Where are we, where are we separate? dependent where are we, on each other? Yes. Um, yeah. Does it mean that we're you know going to do everything together because we're a couple now? Or can we have separate lives? What is, what is each other's expectation on that? And to kind of have like specific scenarios, I think, as well, yes. that you throw at each other where you go, well, you know, do you expect us to live with your family? Or, you know, like... Absolutely. There are so many different things. There's that can so come up. many things that come under that. Yeah. So many things. I mean, our day to day, what is that going to look like? Our weekends, what is that going to look like? 
um, expectations of friends and people coming over to our home. Right. Do um, we have to? Do I have to entertain your friends all the time? Exactly. Or do I have to be around when your friends come over? Uh, I'm Can a I have homebody. my own friends? I'm an introvert <laughs> and a homebody, and I don't want to see anybody on the weekend. How does that fit with you and and wanting to go out every weekend? Exactly. Kind of thing? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So so there's a lot, but the thing is that. It's not just about getting hunkered down into individual issues because that's kind of people may think that's what we do in, in couples therapy or couples uh, married premarital counseling. But it's also about the fundamental um, role that you're perceiving for each other. Mm-hmm. Is there room for separateness? Right. Is there room for you can still want something that's different from what I want and that doesn't break the unit. It's okay. Because it's about you growing individually as well absolutely because it's yes you know we have this thing where you know you complete me and whatever and all of that stuff and yes and you want to have that union with somebody and that's very important to you but you have to have the space to grow individually absolutely and then what does that look like exactly and then there's also the issue of or the kind of thing about what is it going to look like when we become parents yeah, 100%. Do you do your expectations change? Is that not one of the biggest things? Yes, yes. I mean, we could do a whole segment on that. But, you know, how is it going to look? We, we need should. to. We, w- this is something you mentioned to me, actually. You said uh, in terms of uh, when uh, couples become parents, yes. that transition is huge. Absolutely. We're going to come back with you, Dr. Sheetal, in just a moment. And we are going to talk weddings. What yes. you can <laughs> what you yes. can see, what you can tell. I know people are going to be checking out the the bride and the groom after this conversation. <laughs> That's next on Life Beats. Pulse ninety five. You're listening to Pulse ninety five. It's Pulse ninety five. Life Beats. Life Beats with Sally Musa only on Pulse ninety five. Yes, we're back with Dr. Sheetal talking premarital counseling. This is such an interesting topic and quite frankly, bigger than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> yes. um, there's a lot to cover here. But uh, Hanny and I yesterday were talking about um, this uh, great article from Reddit. Hey, Hanny. Hi, how are you doing, guys? How's it going? Uh, very good to have you. Now, um, yesterday we were talking about this is amazing because, you know, wedding photographers, the mm-hmm. seasoned wedding photographers. Right. Um, <laughs> this came up under uh, a Reddit feed where they were asked about the red flag that they notice after years of photographing couples at their weddings. Mm-hmm. Um, and 6,000 plus comments on this one, which was brilliant. Um, they were talking about things like how to cut the cake <laughs> as being an indicator of whether they were going to last on or whether they were going to divorce or, yeah. you know, being critical of someone at, at the wedding. And then you post online later on, marrying my best friend and my soulmate. And oh, God, yes. I, you've seen this. Absolutely. Tell, tell me your thoughts on, on it. Well, what's interesting is that what they're probably picking up on, and, you know, um, just to say that you're saying, you know, the, the, the photographers are saying they can see certain signs and they know the relationship is either going to tank or, or work. Um, what they're probably catching on mm. are those four behaviors or maybe more of those, you know, dangerous behaviors in a relationship like the the contempt, the criticism, the defensiveness, um, the stonewalling. I mean, I talked about these uh, kind of uh, the four horsemen of the apocalypse, you yes. know, relationship behaviors that will check out um, the podcast, guys. It's there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Um, it is possible that you can pick up on this because it's all in the face. 
Right. It's all in the face. And the fact that um, as it is, the the, mayor, the wedding day is a really stressful event to, to be at to begin with. Um, it's the biggest test of the relationship before the marriage starts. Um, I think I even said this to you that um, a lot of weddings fall apart before they even come, you know, come together because people start to realize how different they are or how much they can't agree to disagree or come to a compromise about things and they actually they're the worst parts of themselves come through yeah um because they say right if you really want to get to know someone find out when they're in a, in a tough time or in a really upset situation and weddings can be very upsetting yeah exactly all of the planning that is months in advance and goes into it and you want it to be just right and exactly but when you're so focused on the wedding day but not your partner yeah that yeah. says something I love how w- one um, woman actually asked for a refund from the, from <laughs> yes. the photographer because yes. her husband didn't look very happy and it ended up that he wasn't very happy in the relationship exactly yeah. and the cake cutting and stuff I mean it's literally just you're, you're trying to be in sync with your partner and know what they need yeah um, if your partner doesn't want cake smushed on their face you don't want to do it just to upset them don't do it do not wipe the cake and that yeah. same couple got divorced a year later <laughs> exactly see <laughs> it's gonna happen it's gonna happen Hanny, you're not married yet you don't have a, a partner or a future partner yeah. in sight but you have some really good questions for dr Sheetal around this yes go so for it. Uh, my first question is that mm-hmm. some people have problems in the relationships mm-hmm. and they think that getting married will solve these problems so what do you think about that? I think that is probably the biggest mistake someone could make. Um, it's kind of do you like see the, that. Do you see that happening? I think it's um, either that or, well, we've been together for so long. What's the next thing to do? Like, like they feel like they have something. To, they need something to care about. Like the ch- like they'll get married and they'll have children, and then their focus won't just be on each other, but now on the children. Exactly. So that's that's kind of hand in hand with when people um, decide to have a kid to make the relationship better. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. that that is actually the worst thing you could do because you are causing a temporary distraction like wedding planning mm-hmm. or like the kid themselves but um it's it is moving away from the real problem so um getting married is actually more responsibility so if you're not equipped for your relationship as it is then going to that next step is not going to be any better because you always think oh i can change him oh lord I, right do you we talked that? about this last <laughs> time there is no changing people <laughs> don't think you can go into a relationship changing someone yeah now my second question yes is what if the parents don't like your spouse yes where, where do you go on from that honey like yeah that's actually a really good title for another show i think yeah but if i had to say it very simply i think it depends on the person it really depends on you as an individual. How much is it going to matter to you that your parents are, um, that your partner is involved in your parents' life after you get married? That if your parents are going to disown you um, because that's how much they don't like your partner, that your parents are not going to be there um, on your wedding day. But again, there, there's so much of a dynamic that's beforehand with you and your parent. Um, but in general, I would say that it depends on your history yeah. with your own family. 
it can be an enormous amount of stress or it could be something yeah that that is you know something you can deal with and there are some people who've had a really difficult time with their own family of origin that you know they're looking to find a partner and they don't really care about whether or not their family is part of the equation afterward so it really i would say depends on the person mm. yeah mm-hmm. We've actually we've run out of time. Yeah. I think we're gonna we're gonna save more questions <laughs> for when Dr. Sheetal is back uh, sure. again for our monthly relationships masterclass. Again, what an amazing conversation! Thank you so Thank much. Thank you for, for answering my questions. Of course, honey, <laughs> it's my pleasure. <laughs> and um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it, what we talk about next time mm-hmm. on uh, Life Beats. Uh, but uh, <laughs> coming up, we're going to be catching up with Said Said from the National. We're going to be talking the very first nominee for the international. National Man Booker Prize from the region. She is from the Gulf and a female writer as well, and so much more. All of that and more coming up on Life Beats. This is Pulse 95. Tune in live every weekday from 10 a.m.